0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Future Space. I'm your host, Daniel Fox. Our guest today is Alfredo Munoz. Alfredo is the founder of the award-winning design firm Abibo. You can tell us more about what is Abibo and where it comes from. He has been named one of the most influential Spanish architects. He is part of the 40 most relevant European designers under 40. And is the only architect among the young European leaders, Alfredo. Welcome to the future space.
1: Thank you so much, Daniel. Very much looking forward to spending some time talking about beautiful ideas about the space and sharing personal thoughts that maybe are inspiring to somebody. Hopefully,
0: yes. Looking forward. Now I mentioned when I named the the name the. the the name of your design agency. Before we get into the three words in our conversation, can you share with with us exactly what is the root of that name?
1: Sure. So Avivo means the beginning of creativity, and the source of that name is an acronym that combines Latin with uh, Japanese. The reason for that is, as you probably noticed from my accent, I'm originally from Spain and uh, the Latin culture, I think it's very, very important in the way I am, as an individual, in my professional career, as a designer, as an architect. But I had the fortune to live in Japan when I finished my university and that had a very relevant impact in the way that I see life and I see design and I see architecture. So when I started at Studio, I wanted to bring those two cultures together. So uh, Avivo means the beginning of creativity are the first two words of the Latin alphabet. And Ibo in uh, Japanese means creativity. So I thought it was important to bring some of my personal experiences through the, the commitment to
0: innovation and design that we have. And that's where the name comes from. Maybe when you open your office on the moon, you're going to have to add a little something that signifies, <laughs> that signifies the, the future of Abibo. <laughs> exactly. Very much looking forward. <laughs> um. Alfredo, before we get into our conversation, um, could you tell us, for, for you, three words that capture the essence of space? So to me,
1: I would say that they are inspiration, uh, progress, and optimism. I think that the, those three words, when I think about the space, summarize very much the opportunity that we have ahead. First is the opportunity to progress as a society, uh, not only from the technical point of view, but how we're going to be forced to transcend who we are as humans because of the harsh conditions that we will have in the space. Optimism because, indeed, uh, that comes with a great opportunity to be excited about the better future and about how, when we work together as humans, we can achieve things that are almost impossible to, 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 to imagine, right? And and then the inspiration, because again, it's, it's very inspiring. I think that going to space uh, uh, allow us to dream. And I think when we dream, uh, it opens up new ideas and new opportunities that create uh, innovation and create uh, new ways to think a reality that are very different to how we live now, and that might lead to exciting opportunities to create new things.
0: Now, when you, when you say inspiration, was space always an inspiration for you, you know, a dream? Or are you part more of the second wave, the, today's wave of space enthusiasts who find themselves now on realizing that it's no more science fiction, that it's a reality, and now I can actually get, you know, onto, uh, onto the train?
1: So it has been mixed. Indeed, when um, I was three years old, I wanted to be a construction worker. And then they were building uh, some building near my place and uh, the construction workers were telling me that that was a very tough job and that I should be an architect. So I wanted to be an architect since I'm six, sorry, since I'm three. But then when I was in high school, I was very passionate about physics and I was having a debate between going for architecture or going for astrophysics. I did very well in physics. I won several competitions in, in my region for physics. So I was always fascinated about the idea of space. And that was thanks to an amazing teacher that I had that put me in touch with Carl Sagan Cosmos. And um, and then again, I was having a, a, a lot of questions. It's like, should I go for astrophysics? Should I go for architecture? I finally decided to go for architecture, but since, uh, again, since I'm almost 12 years old, I was always looking for uh, ways to connect to the stars and to, to find, opportunities to understand who we are as, as a species right and then later in my career i was uh, exposed to have a deeper relationship with the space as you mentioned um there is an organization in the european union that is called friends of europe and every year they choose 40 people that they consider are relevant in different fields and um, i was lucky enough that they got me in that group and we meet with uh, we meet usually three times a year in different locations in Europe and we talk about ways to create uh, ideas to make Europe a better place and to create the world a, a better place and in that uh, meeting that was in London it was Guillermo Anglada he's the the person that discovered Proxima V or that had the team that discovered Proxima V the closest exoplanet from Earth he's an astrophysicist and it's funny because we were debating and he was telling me he wanted to be an architect when he was very young and I was telling him that I wanted to be an astrophysicist. So then we decided to put together a team of experts in, in the field of, of space to create ways to learn from the space to create a more sustainable uh, life environment. So over the last years, I have been backed into my passion of combining architecture and space by working with some of the, 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 the amazing minds like you and many others that uh, I have the fortune to meet in the space community to uh, find solutions that are uh, teaching us how space can find uh, solutions to heal Earth, to find a more sustainable lifestyle, and uh, at the same time, obviously, that uh, helps the, the, the humanity to to become a multiplanetary species. But uh, deeper than that, for me, it was about finding uh, that compromise of being able to learn from the space industry and how we would live in extreme environments in a way that actually doesn't harm those environments, and we can take those learnings and implement them here on Earth for some of the, 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 the current situations that we have, like problems with climate change, social inequality, and the potential growth of, of civilization on, on numbers that are uh, something
0: impossible to think 200 years ago, right? Now, there's there is a belief that that next step that we're about to make, going off-planet into whether the moon or space station, uh, Mars, is a, a level of... Of a challenge that we've never faced before and um, much more difficult today than anything in the past. I I tend to look at the past like you cannot compare, you cannot look into the past with today's knowledge, right? You cannot say, oh, that, you know, look at, at that time where they were crossing the ocean. I mean, you cannot compare that the way that you have to look into the past is recognizing the challenge that it represented at that moment. And then, you know, and then make the the comparison. Do you think that today, like, we're really far from I mean, it is a big challenge, but we do have the technology. And I guess in your mind, there's a there's a time where in 50 years, we're going to look back and we're going to say, Oh, my God, they had no idea how easy it is, and now we're in such a different place. And that little, that little step that we're about to, that big step that we're about to make is just going to redefine the the our, our conception of what is possible and what is not.
1: Totally agree. I think that I mean technology is evolving to a speed. That we cannot even imagine. We are seeing it now with the, the whole artificial intelligence. And once we start merging with robotics, it's going to be spectacular the opportunities that we have. And a few years ago, when we were proposing a first large scale settlement on Mars, uh, we did a quite a good amount of analysis with experts in different fields from astrobiology, life support systems, uh, planetary geology, and, and many more. And we obviously realized that this was going to be impossible to do it without AI and robotics. But over the last four months, we are seeing uh, what AI can do in the now. It's not now a futuristic approach. It's a uh, realistic of, of now, right? Um, and uh, I think that in regards with transportation technology, I mean, we were not lucky yet with uh, being able to, to, to launch successfully uh, in a SpaceX uh, the, the, the vision that they have for taking us to Mars, but I think we're going to get there very, very soon. And um, the truth is that if we analyze the, 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 the technical difficulties that they had, as you are saying back in the, in the 15th century with uh, traveling the oceans and the unknown, what they were going to find, uh, at least now we know what we are going to find. At that time, uh, they, they were risking their lives uh, for uh, the hope of a better, opportunities. Financially, obviously, that's something that is obviously there uh, across history, but the level of uncertainty that our past generations had when they decided to uh, jump into an adventure of this caliber is something that uh, will be there, but not so much. Again, uh, now we know what what we find on the Moon in, in many ways. Obviously, there will be a lot of unknown that the, the, the um, astronauts that will have a permanent base on the moon, or at least a stable base that where we will be a few months, will face that we cannot imagine now, but not to the level that our past generations had to face. So I think that, uh, again, I'm super optimistic about how technology and the amount of brains that we have now in the world goes back to the amount of people that we have. I mean, the amount of population that were on Earth during the 15th century was a uh, minuscule in comparison with the population and obviously the smart brains that are thinking about ways to uh, improve uh, humanity. And that's something that is something interesting not to forget uh, because the critical mass that we can get in the next years with the help of technology is something that uh, is very promising and very optimistic in, in regards with the
0: space, uh, in the space industry. I mean, absolutely. I mean, if we look at, you know, the population, okay, yes, we're 8 billion and, you know, we're at the stress level on the planet, speculating, you know, maybe we'll start to have millions and and even more, you know, into space. I cannot but imagine a world where we have 10 billion, you know, 11 billion and just imagining the amount of, brain power at that at that moment of everybody not everybody's going to be you know working on a phd let's let's be honest but still the amount of brains that are going to be trying to find solution and it's like you know in the microchip business now you have this exponential exponential factor of brain power looking for for um for solution for trying to solve problems and now we're helped with AI, with artificial intelligence, or just, you know, algorithm or the computer uh, power, but more and more having this capacity to kind of move forward and tackle these challenges. I think we're about to enter, not only in the architecture design energy, but a new era of of, uh, innovation that's just gonna explode. And I, I think it's really inspiring, right?
1: Totally, and that connects to uh, what I was saying before. What I see in the space is not only the excitement of being able to create an opportunity for humans to survive and to thrive in extreme environments on the space, but also what can we learn from it. And the truth is that uh, with 8 billion people and growing, we need to find, quickly, solutions to accommodate to uh, that amount of people Uh, And uh, with the challenges that we face with climate change, it has to be done quickly. And from my experience as a designer, when we look at uh, questions uh, in a different manner, so instead of asking different questions, we uh, uh, try to completely look at a different angle and say, okay, instead of giving different answers, we completely change the question, which is what the space forces us to do then, automatically, we start getting uh, opportunities to uh, innovate. And I think in the space, and in regards with energy and architecture and urban planning and, 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 and sustainability, uh, the space can offer us that learning opportunity that we will not get otherwise, right? So, it has a huge amount of uh, excitement to me to think, okay, if we need to create a civilization on um, of world, What do we need to do? And we prove that that's actually a a possibility, uh, not only from the physical point of view, but also from the societal point of view. That civilization will be very different to how we live on Earth. Um, And they will need to rely on each other much more. The the conflicts will have to be handled in a completely different manner, otherwise everyone will die, right? So going back to what I was saying before, it will probably force, uh, if they expect to survive, to transcend who we are as a species working much more, in, in uh, working together much more than a, a more individual focus that we currently have in our society. And that could lead to opportunities to learn from it and to uh, ensure that those who stay on Earth, which are probably going to be more than 99%, have a better life
0: here. Now, you're just talking about civilization, you know, in space and the... the, the and when i think about that there is so many different levels of building a civilization beyond you know beyond the earth there's obviously the technology that is needed there's the economics of you know building that civilization there're the politics the, all the, the science and all of this but pushing it a little bit and going kind of meta a little bit what would you say is the human story of building of going to space of building that civilization in space
1: I think it's about evolution, about uh, taking uh, who we are as a species and who we have become over millenniums here on Earth and continuing uh, pushing the barriers of who we can become. Um, And that is something that, um, as a designer, uh, is very uh, inspiring because it allows me to dream, right? It allows me, and it goes connected to what I was talking before about optimism. I mean, dreamers are usually not very pessimistic because they always envision or can create something that potentially could be better. And I think space, uh, fortunately, still is one of the few fields across uh, uh, our history that unites civilizations. I mean, uh, we can see all the geopolitical uh, volatility and uncertainty that we currently live. But if we look at back in time, even the the International Space Station is a great example of how conflicting countries can uh, work together for something that is a little bit uh, uh, goes beyond the national interest right? And we can approach the same when we talk uh, as individuals, uh, when uh, uh, Astronauts have to be in the space. They have to help each other. They cannot be just focusing on their own interest, almost like uh, in in war uh, you have a body system where you have to take care of your body. And if you don't, not only you're putting your body at risk, but you're putting yourself at risk, right? So that opportunity that we have as a civilization, to me, is very inspiring and uh, allows to uh, potentially grow and and, um, and become something uh, even bigger than who we are as humans. That's to me what uh, the story of, of the space is. And go for I I just uh, one more line of, of thought. I mean, if we look back at the uh, amount of technology uh, evolutions that we got because of the space race in the 60s, uh, it's something that has become uh, and had made life Better for all of us. GPS, MRIs, I mean, so many things we can name that uh, help uh, us as a society now, and that are a direct result of the space industry. Right, and so um, not only again from from more a humanistic point of view, but more on on the actual uh, technical aspects, uh, the space uh, has allowed us to become better as as a society and and to make our individual lives much better so i think that that path is definitely ahead of us and we should uh, continue focusing on on how to leverage it
0: i mean that's what those boundaries those far away places do you know to us working on them always these technologies always trickle down into what we have on, the, on, the, on our daily basis, whether it's you know being in your little village and you figure your way to get to the top of the mountain, that knowledge, that, that the, the skills will obviously not just be limited to that, they go everywhere. Now, Alfredo, there was a, a, a thought in, in my mind as, as you were speaking. I feel like we're about, oh, we are in a golden age of design and architecture Because if we look at the the history of architecture or the design of buildings around us, at the beginning, it was dictated by environment, the nature around us and and uh, uh, scarcity, right? If If you were living by the river, you had to figure out what was available to you. I mean, there was not a lot of knowledge and it was nature and the environment that was dictating what you could and could not do. Then we, we went into an era where we wanted to defy kind of nature and kind of impose ourselves and do things that were not necessarily realistic, but could prove that we could kind of claim our, 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 our place you know, at that, at that location. But now we have the technology we have the understanding, the holistic understanding of our relationship not only with the environment, but the form has to be, you know, the form has to be strong, the the, the impact has to be strong, and also the human aspect has to be be sustainable, right? It, we we understand how buildings interact with humans. Do you do you feel that now we're entering in a really golden age where these three three pillars are coming together to create like a new era of design and architecture? Interesting question. Um, I think
1: architecture is the result of uh, the needs in society and the demands in society. And um, I think that golden age where uh, sustainability and technology and adapting to environments that you mentioned come together maybe has not arrived yet because still there is not the critical mass across the world to change the way we live to be uh, more adaptable to our environment, right? And, and I did a tech talk about this recently where I was talking that if we look back how we used to live uh, millenniums ago, we were forced to adapt to our environment. As you're saying, they were, we were living by the river and hey, this is what it is, right? But then technology helped us to modify our environment to adapt our environment to our needs. But the truth is that by doing that, we are causing a good amount of harm to our environment because the truth is that Earth is very forgiving and uh, we don't notice a lot of that harm instantly. Uh, we notice generations after we create it. right? And architecture and construction and real estate has obviously its big part of that uh, impact around us. But um, what I see in the space is that in order to survive on the space, we will be forced again to adapt to an environment because our technology is very still premature to change the space uh, and we will go back almost to 5,000 to 10,000 years ago uh, if we compare it to how our prede- predecessors had to live, right? And uh, that means to me that the moment that uh, we start having a, a scale or like a few uh, hundreds Of people living on the space, here people on Earth will realize, oh wow, there are other ways that we can live. And those guys up there on Mars, or those guys up there on the moon, or those guys up in low orbit are living differently. And it can inspire, right? And it can help to create an awareness and a certain critical mass to want to modify slightly our lifestyle to help to heal some of the uh, situations that we have here on Earth. And and architecture will respond to that critical mass. I mean, at the end, architecture, fortunately or unfortunately, is the result of either a political agenda or an economical agenda, right? Normally, in the traditional architecture, we respond to the interest of real estate developers or interest of Politic, politicians or cultural institutions, etc. So, at the end, we obviously try to bring a lot of those big picture thinking into the designs. But until the the will doesn't happen at the high level of the decision making, uh, it's not going to be actually creating a big big impact. And that decision making happens when there is a demand from the society. So I think we are still. Uh, maybe 50 to 100 years too early to that big opportunity that you are mentioning. And I think, again, uh, back to what we were debating, that once here on Earth, people see that up in in the stars, uh, again, Moon or or Mars, uh, there are a a few hundred people that are actually living in a completely different way. There might be uh, inspiration and they might get ideas and then it can trickle down to um, an interest. To, uh, to live differently. If you add that to the force that we will have, because again, uh, the, the the situation that we are facing with climate change is, is not going to get better if we don't take urgent decisions, that will probably force us to learn from how to survive in extreme environment, and uh, architecture will obviously respond to that big picture uh, need. Make
0: sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um... It was interesting. I was having a conversation with uh, with another guest about the moon and where I was sharing how I look forward the day where not on the full moon because it would be fully lit, but on the new moon when when you don't see the moon to actually see lights from buildings. You know, on on when at that time where we're going to have buildings on the moon or a settlement, having this physical side this realization that there is actually humans on another celestial other than the planet it's i'm actually looking for for that day because it's it's going to be the this reminder of how far we've come and we're going i mean right now we have people on the international space station but unless you know exactly what you're looking for and if you have a telescope there's not really you know it's just the dot in the sky that passes by, it's hard, it's hard to really kind of, um, understand what you're seeing, but seeing lights on the new moon, when you look up to the sky and understanding that you have actually humans that are there in buildings that we've created will create a total different sense of awareness of our place and where we can go. I mean, is that something that you would find exciting for you?
1: Totally. And I think that uh, it connects a lot with, I think, our both shared passions for anthropology, right? Uh, you are a global trotter like I do. Uh, and uh, one of the things that to me excites me the most, uh, I have the fortune to live in five different continents, is to learn from other cultures, right? As a Spaniard, obviously, I was exposed to my own culture, but then I went to Japan and then I was living in India and then in the US and then in Middle East. And I mean all over the place and when you are not traveling when you are forcing yourself to immerse yourself in a culture and to work and to adapt to that culture you change your mindset and you become more open-minded and you learn things that you were not aware of that you appreciate of that culture right so you become more humble you become more aware you become more respectful you become more uh, excited and of learning new things right so if we take that concept here on Earth and we extrapolate it to how could it be to have the opportunity maybe not to travel because it's not going to be too easy for everyone to travel to, to a space, at least in the near future, but to be knowing from, from uh, the, the, the communications and and, and the, the TV shows that will be how the, the Martians will live in 150 years, right? And then people on Earth will know about it and so on. Then uh, I think that there will be great opportunity to learn and uh, and to uh, inspire so uh, to me it resonates very much with my passion for anthropology and for learning for other cultures and again it's I think it's very relatable people might be like well what can I learn from space but I, I can care less uh, how the Martians are going to live well if you care how uh, uh, Chinese live or how South Africans live or how Latin Americans live and you're a little bit excited about other ways, of living that are very different to where you were born, then you are probably going to be very interested of how other civilizations that come from our same core uh, DNA live, right? So it's, it's very much similar to.
0: Now, in terms of architecture in space, there, there are kind of big two philosophies of how we're going to live. One is the you know the O'Neill vision where you know let's not try to deal with a difference of gravity anywhere. Let's just build in low orbit where we can actually control the, the, the gravity and then the orbit and we can move in different places. And then there, the other um, objective goal of it is to you know find whether the moon or Mars or an asteroid and then build on land and having to figure it out, you know, having to deal with radiations and different, thing, uh, different things like that. For you personally, which one is the most exciting or inspiring, or you have as much attraction to orbit architecture or land-based architecture? The
1: work that we have done so far has been mainly focused on land-based architecture, in particular on Mars, although we have done some work on the moon as well. Um, But it doesn't really matter. I mean, to me, it's more about understanding that architecture is a physical result of a society, right? And that's where the tricky part as an architect comes. How are we going to design something for somebody that still is not there, right? Um, And if we look back into the history of architecture, we can see uh, tremendous mistakes of planned cities that an architect thought that they were going to be amazing. I mean, from Brasilia to Chandigarh, and designed by one of the most influential architects in the 20th century, and hey, it was not really that successful. So, um, and, 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 and they already had the culture, right? How we are going to create the design of environments for people that will not live there until those environments are built. That's where we see the opportunity of technology and digital twins as a great uh, opportunity to create simulations in the digital environment where people, you, me, anyone, can start joining and starting giving feedback and starting providing relevant inputs of how we think people might be living given certain conditions, right? So to me, it's not so much about like land on or, or low orbit, it's more about, okay, what are the physical requirements that we have, obviously very different to each other, and what are the social requirements. For the physical requirements, we know them, we can work with them. I can expand a little bit more on some of the work that we were doing on on, on land work on on Mars, uh, just to to, uh, explain a little bit some of the challenges that we will face. But the low orbit will be very different, but the social aspects is to me what intrigued me the most because we are taking a lot of assumptions on how people will live. But the truth is that we don't know. And the truth is that that's something that has to be organic, right? So the solutions have to be open enough for a, allowing a dynamic growth of that settlement. But at the same time, they have to provide at least the basic for the first humans to arrive and be able not only to survive. I mean, surviving is all good, obviously, is very important. But what about thriving? If we are looking at the community that is going to live and, and create their own, little civilization, they have to have a sense of identity. They have to be connected with the, the land. They have to create their own social structures, their own political and economical relationships. And that's something that might be very different to what we do here, right? Um, so just to add a bit more on, on, for example, the challenges that we will face if we go land, what well, you mentioned, radiation. But gravity, you also mentioned, is something fascinating because uh, obviously the, the moon is around six of what we have here on Earth. The, the Mars is one third. So as an architect, it sounds exciting that we can go with very big buildings because we don't have the problems of radiation. But indeed, the biggest problems that we have are if we built on the surface of Moon or on Mars is the uh, pressure that we will have inside those buildings. So we will not be able to go with big buildings because the buildings will explode. It's almost like a balloon. You put a lot of air inside which we need that pressure to breathe. And, and then the skin and the structure of that building will have to require so much material which is not sustainable or efficient, that will explode, right? Uh, but we have advantages of having sun gravity, and um, we still don't know the impact of low gravity environments on the body. We know that definitely has a negative impact on the vision and many other things. Yes, we can generate artificial gravity, but still that's something that's still very theoretical. We have not been able to prove that it works, even if we go to 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 Mars, Uh, we know that those people might have serious trouble coming back after spending a minimum of two years on Mars. We know that they might not be able to come back because the gravity on Earth will crush them, right? So there's still a lot of ifs. Um, But to me, it's more about, like, again, identifying what are the potential challenges that we will have from the physical point of view and from the societal point of view. And that's where the community and, and the opportunity to use technology to create digital twins to start providing feedback adds a lot of exciting ideas. So we can all together start visualizing and creating what a a potential new civilization is going to be from every level, not only the architecture, but again, every single aspect, right? the the, the Economy, the the political relationships, the engineering, the farming, the food, energy, every single aspects that are essential for a a civilization to thrive.
0: You were talking about the, um, you know, living in all these different countries and understanding these different perspectives. And this is basically the core of the question, the human story, because I've, you know, throughout all my travels and photographing these remote regions where, you know, they had never been before, I've always thought that it would be arrogant of me to go in and thinks like, this is how it's going to be. This is how it has to look. My creative process was always first to sit at the table and share a meal with the people who live over there. And through their eyes, through their stories, then I would start to connect with the place. And then they would tell me, you have to go and see this person and that person. But the, the discovery in that process was when you, when you share a meal and you stay with people, you start to realize that we're all the same at the at the at the foundation above the, the science and the technology and and all these things that we think that matter. We're all we all start from the same place. We all want to be valued. We all want to put food on the table. We all want to care for our children. We want to create a future for them. Then after that, it becomes complicated. But you know, traveling and connecting with these people give you that sense of like. We're a lot more alive. I mean, even though we disagree on a lot of things, we all start from a, you know from the same place. Alfredo, I want to. There, I'm always mindful that I live in the world that seemed absolutely inconceivable a hundred years ago. You know, the, the I'm about to go again on a on an expedition ship. Uh, where we go into the, the, the polar regions uh, where the, we don't drop the anchor anymore because we, uh, we connect ourselves with the satellites and we have the bow thrusters and the, the engines now that is not just shaft with a prop, but these isopods that can turn 360 degrees. So once we're ready to do operation, we literally just connect ourselves with the satellite, GPS, we tag it, and then we have the bow thrusters and the isopod that keeps us in the same place and winds up to 35 miles per hour. You know, something that would absolutely, like even if you asked someone, you know, uh, Christopher Columbus, like, give us a sense of the, or uh, James Drake with uh, the, the, the across the world, give us a sense of the future. They would not even come up with something like that. Are you? Is there always like a bit of you that is aware that the future, even though we're trying to shape the future, there's a part of it that's going to be, that is so inconceivable for us today?
1: Yes. And um, I think as an architect, the education that uh, I have the fortune to have uh, kind of trains me to think in the long future, but also in the short term future and start to work towards Ambition in that short-term future and build it. Uh, so the long-term is something that we can all dream of, but we might completely miss it. But the short-term future, the future that we can build in our generation, is something that we can actually envision and we might not be that far off. And so, as a as a dreamer, we can uh, try to imagine how we will live in 200 years, and it's super exciting, right? but if we think how we are going to live in 30 to 40 years is something that is much more tangible and we can start to collect the, 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 the know-how around us with people and with technology to start shaping that near future. And, and, and again, uh, still far, but we might not get that far off. And uh, we are not going to see anyway what happens in 200 years. Uh, so who cares, right? Again, it's a beautiful opportunity to dream but it's uh, also better to focus on something that we can actually uh, execute. And uh, that actionable uh, part is something that uh, is important to me. Again, envisioning and and creating uh, is great, but then the implementation part has to come. And I think that all, as humans, we can actually do a lot of things in our life, our short lives. Uh, We might live a little bit longer, but I doubt we will make it to to that long.
0: Did you, uh, when you were a kid, you know, wanting to be an architect or, or design, uh, buildings and, and other stuff, did you ever think that you would get to work in a time where those, the tools that we have today, I mean, you know, you look at ECAD, the, the three-dimensional aspect of designing, like I, I looked at architects now that are creating on computers, the buildings, in all its complexity before you start building, and then they create models to simulate all the different stress, and now we're getting into AI that's gonna go and take it to different places. Did you ever think that like a world like this existed when you started as an architect?
1: What I love about architecture when I was a kid was that it was a way to serve through building a space to society, right? So I didn't really focus that much in the technology side, I didn't even was aware of what was available. I was fortunate enough to get exposed to architecture because I wanted to be an architect. I started to intern uh, in architectural firms uh, when I was uh, 15 years old. And that's the first time I was like, oh, you, you can actually use a computer to draw. This is pretty cool. But in my case, uh, it was always more a deeper uh, linkage of a design and a space as a way to improve the life of society, right? To me, it was more coming from a humanistic angle, not so much from the technology angle. And so uh, I was always fascinated with technology and I have continued doing so, but uh, more as a tool, not so much as a destination, right? So uh, the truth is that I didn't really think that much about what were the tools that were going to allow, even when when I started in the university, my focus was of my passion was a lot more about society, not so much about the, the, the tools and the opportunities to create a, a, a architecture uh, through tools. Uh, it was more about, okay, architecture, self-purpose, which is usually a community. It can be a small community in case you're building a villa. Uh, in this case, could be a family or a large community if you're building an entire township for, for,
0: for the, the entire community of inhabitants in that city. So now as someone who's... Um... Been serving humanity, living in, in, you know, all over the world, connecting with different cultures, building for different cultures, and also dreaming of building in space. What would be your three words of wisdom? Um, Alfredo's three words of wisdom, what would they be?
1: I would probably say dream, learn, and work, which connects with our conversation, right? If you don't dream, then you become cynic and then you lose the the, the thrive to make things happen. But if you only dream and you don't learn, then you become bored and you lose uh, focus. And learning means a lot, learning from people around you, learning on your own, learning from technology, learning what can be uh, doable on those dreams and what maybe requires to surround yourself with people that might help to build those dreams. And then work, 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 work. It means if you don't implement uh, even uh, dreamers that are creating beautiful movies or beautiful books, they work, they sit down and write those books and allow for others to enjoy their dreams, right? So I think those three very much connect to our conversation today and and to what the space is to me. If you don't envision a a different future, hopefully better future, then we stop the conversation. Then you need to learn from it and learn what is required to actually implement it and then get your hands dirty and get to it.
0: Yeah, the, the notion of, I mean, both the dreams and the work, the, the finding the balance, and you know, dreaming too much. No, I mean, it's maybe exciting, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Working too much doesn't get you anywhere either. It's, you know, it's the yin and the yang is in in. In nature, also is tension, but not not too much tension. You know, you want a tree that has enough tension to stand up, but also not it not too much so that it doesn't move with the winds. You want you want be uh, like a like a, a cell on the on the on the boat. You want to be able to use the wind to direct where you want to go. And you know, we're talking. Let's finish this with the the Japanese, but the Japanese have this term. Tenu Uchi, which is the perfect sword grip, right? It's one that is hard enough so that you can stop a powerful blow, but one that is agile and soft enough so that you can move around. And it's always trying to have this balance between these forces that are around you. And I have, for me, I have this belief: it's like stillness is not the absence of tension, but it's more of a balance within all the tensions, because tensions is everywhere and in if you take all the tensions out there's nothing it's like life stuffs to exist so when you try to build something or if you try to find your flow it's kind of finding that sweet spot within all these tensions so that you can maximize everything um i think it's a it's a nice way to think of uh, about building in life what do you think i love
1: it i love it and I would like to add to what you are saying that the what is in between the dreams and the execution is the learning, right? And the learning is the most beautiful journey we can have as individuals. And the learning can come again from so many different paths. Uh, people can travel to space without the need to move their feet from their computer nowadays, right? Um, and um, and at the end, that's what life is about. It's about the journey and space is a beautiful inspiration for some of us to get into uh, another journey, right? So that learning is uh, maybe a, a good um, opportunity to find that balance that you, you rightly mentioned, like, okay, how do we find the balance between the dreams and the execution? Is like, well, maybe we focus on learning as a community, as a society, as individuals, and, and then we will be having a beautiful journey ahead, including how to improve our communities and our world through learning from, from another space, you're I
0: mean Steve Jobs said it. I mean stay hungry and you know never always be curious. Always be open to new experiences and and to understand that the life is a complex with you know, there's eight there's eight billion people on the planet, there's eight billion different stories, there's all these different realities. And now we live in a world that we can learn and we can connect and we can open our, our world of of experiences. So and architecture is gonna kind of um create a window and a framework to that. And I'm I'm really glad that you're right at the center of it uh, and continuing serving humanity. Alfredo, thank you so very much. I look forward um sharing a less of Kava next time that we meet. Uh,
1: and I keep looking forward to your next amazing uh, trips and, and travels again you are so inspiring going back to what we were talking right about like learning from ways of uh, exposing oneself to different uh, environments i mean your life as itself is very very inspiring so thank you daniel for having me uh, today and for doing what you're doing
0: well thank you alfredo it takes it takes a a big team to uh to do everything that that i do that you do so uh so we'll continue uh, all of that. Safe travel, and uh, looking forward for a time to get the next time together.
1: Looking forward. Thank you so much.